when Matt gets home from work, I just need to completely go to a separate space of the house because she's been attacking me for hours at that point. Have you ever seen a cake that is so beautiful and creative that you kind of don't even want to eat it, but you kind of also can't help yourself? That's Short and Sweet Bakery. They're today's sponsor, and you have to check them out. It's actually a woman named Hannah, and she makes these incredible creations. Just go to Facebook or Instagram and type in short, the letter N, sweet baker. Follow her, like her stuff, and enjoy this episode sponsored by Short and Sweet Bakery. Mom, mom, mama, what's parent wise? So when do you want to go to sleep? None time. Parentwise is wildly honest. We talk to real parents about real issues. Parents often have no place to go to figure out what to do and how to fix it. A community of parents who find solutions that work in the real world. The first step to fixing anything is understanding the why of it. Hi, I'm Carrie Jordan. And I'm Dr. B. And, and this, this is ParentWise. Just a few housekeeping items before we get started. Uh, to connect with other members of the ParentWise community, you can like us on Facebook and also follow us on Instagram. You can find us in both places by looking up ParentWise, which is P-A-R-E-N-T-W-H-Y-S. Also, please go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. It would be awesome if you would leave us a review. Last but not least, if you would like to get in touch with us, and we really hope that you will, please go to the website, parentwise.com, click on Contact Us, and shoot us an email from there. We would be so excited to hear from you, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Here's what we're going to be talking about today in Season 1, Episode 3. Okay. So... This episode, we're going to talk about meltdowns. We used to call them temper tantrums and power contests or power struggles. Yeah, we'll be talking about that a lot. We only hit on it a little bit today. And speaking of hitting, we'll be talking about um, what to do when your kids hit you. We will also cover just a little bit on sleep training because that came up in one of the interviews. The last topic will be about a family that has experienced with their three-year-old a regression in toilet training and sleeping through the night. So that's a lot to cover in one episode. We should probably get to it. I'd like to introduce everyone to Hannah and Matt. They were pretty young when they got together. Uh, we started dating just after your 18th birthday. They had been together a couple of years and... We found out we were pregnant with Liam uh, when we were 20. Totally planned, right? But it was a surprise. Or not. And now, several years later, they have three children. Liam, who is nine. Paxton, who is almost six. And their youngest child, Olive, who is 15 months old. Speaking of Olive, please forgive the quality of the audio in this interview. She woke up from her nap very early, so you will hear her a lot in the background. I'm struggling with two things the most right now. Um, one being Paxton's uh, meltdowns, mm -hmm. and the other one is Olive's roughness with yeah, me she gets specifically. Pretty violent with you. Yeah. So let's start by talking about Paxton's meltdowns. 
just before you got here, I heard him suddenly sobbing upstairs. And I went up. He and Liam are playing Legos right now. And he was missing one Lego piece to one of his guys. And it, instead of, you know, looking for it or anything like that, he was just in hysterics sitting there because he can't find the piece. And it's things like that. The littlest thing mm-hmm. can send him into just... And it, it, you, I feel like it's a slight improvement. It used to be more anger. Mm-hmm. And now it's more it tears. Despair. <laughs> Despair. Yeah. That's a perfect word for it. And I do, I mean, not that I want him to feel sad, but I do feel I prefer that to um, an anger, mm-hmm. you know, an outburst That is a anger. step in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. And so now we're trying to work on that. And I really feel, though, I feel like we're struggling with knowing the right way to deal with it. Hannah and Matt have been dealing with this for quite some time, so obviously they've come up with some good ways of handling this behavior. You know, I went up, I helped him find a different piece he could use, and he snapped out of it. Like, that was perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And so then I try to say, you know, see, so if you maybe take a minute to try to problem solve instead, (laughs) then it doesn't have to be a really big deal. Mm -hmm. But it's not getting through at all. So I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't quite know the right way to handle the emotions right now. Sometimes when Pax gets upset, he throws his toys. And they do what most parents would do. They take the toy away, hoping that he won't throw in the future because he wants to keep his toys. In this situation, it didn't stop the behavior. He will tell us, well, that's okay. That doesn't bother me. When we say, you know, if you do this, you know, we're going to take it away from you. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. My daughter right. did that to me. Yeah. The question is, do you do that? Yo, always. Matt always. and I, oh, we are we very, very consistent with follow like, so important. And that's why I'm so lost, I feel like, with what to do, because we've always been extremely consistent. If we tell him that there will be a consequence, that consequence happens mm-hmm. every single time. And... So I, I don't know. It worked really well with Liam. It did. I mean, he learned very quickly, mm-hmm. okay, if I don't want to lose this toy, I can't throw it. Talking before about, you know, how it, you can take the toy away and he says, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that you're wanting him to care, per se, in an outward way. The next time he does it, you say, I guess you're really not ready to play with that toy. We'll wait a day or two and let's see if you get bigger okay because mm-hmm. when you're bigger you won't be doing that bigger okay. children don't throw toys okay that's you know that's just yeah. not what they do and you put it somewhere where he can see it mm-hmm. but he can't get to it right. a reminder yes. <laughs> it is it is a reminder see what you want to earn back and then you say in a day or two it just depends on what it is do you think you're big enough mm-hmm. do you think you're big enough to do this and um why don't we give you a try? Mm-hmm. We can try. But you know that if you throw it again, we're going to have to take right. it away because that's not, not what we do with this toy. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we feel it's, it's scary to take a toy away for a long time. We feel like we're really punishing a child. Mm-hmm. But the consequence is, if you, if you really look at it logically, they're really letting us know they're really not ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They really are. Because... It's inappropriate behavior, and until they can get control of that, Mm -hmm. you have to be in control of that. And that goes back to what we were saying, Mm -hmm. which is it's important for them to always know that if they do something, you're the fallback. Dr. B, or mom, as I like to call you. Mom, mama, sometimes mommy. I'm curious about 
some of the words that you used when you recommended, uh, when you made your recommendation to uh, Hannah and Matt with Paxton. You use the words, uh, you're not big enough. Like I understand, obviously you take the toy away. That makes total sense. The words specifically that you used were that you're not big enough uh, or grown up enough. What is, tell me more about why you use that terminology specifically. I use that terminology because children inherently look up at us, see us doing all these wonderful things, and they want to be like us. And what we're really saying is that in order to get to where we are, you have to be able to behave in a certain way. This alludes to that and gets children's attention. Because if you were to say, who wants to be grown up? They would say, I do. (laughs) And so you want to basically let them know we're noticing their progress in moving forward into being more grown up. And that as they get more grown up, they'll be able to do more. It gives them an incentive in addition to getting their toy back and focuses on emotional growth. So they begin to understand grown-ups don't have meltdowns like this. So maybe I shouldn't either. The other thing we are talking about with regard to the meltdowns. So the meltdowns are triggered by frustration, which is what most meltdowns are triggered by. Either frustration or anger at hearing no, um, oftentimes sadness or a combination of all three. I know when I melt down, it's usually a combination of a multitude of feelings. (laughs) When I think about what it is to raise a functional adult and, you know, using the long game parenting framework is... I don't want to get in the way of their process. And I also don't want to be the one to find the solution and sometimes not even recommend the solution. I'd like them to be able to go through whatever experience they need to go through and then come to a point where they're calm enough to find a solution. So what I've done, um, and obviously you've seen this before, is when Rue gets upset... She would, um, let's say, for example, she's trying to get her shoes on and she gets super, super angry and she starts screaming and crying and she'll sometimes toss her shoes and she'll just like fall on the floor (laughs) and start freaking out. What I generally will do is rather than trying to stop her crying or any of that, um, I'll say, sweetie, you're really upset. You know, when you calm down, let's talk about what we're going to do. Let's talk about how to fix it. In the beginning, she would cry for 20, 30 minutes in her room, waiting right. for people to come. And, you know, and then, you know, and every once in a while I'd poke, I wasn't indifferent to her sadness. I was right. just like, I was like, you're really sad and that is okay. And you're, you're being sad very loudly. <laughs> right? yeah. And it's hurting my ears. So if you could be sad in your room, I'll come and check on you. Um, but after a while, she, she just doesn't want to sit in her room and be sad anymore. Right. So when she's ready... Um, When she's calmed down, I'll say, come here, sweetie, come sit with me. Oftentimes I'll say, come sit on my lap. And when she's smaller, something that just makes her feel close and cared for. And I'll say, you know, what's going on? And she'll say, I couldn't get my shoes on or whatever the situation would be. In this particular situation, she couldn't get her shoes on, right? Um, And I say, wow, God, that sounds, you know, that was really frustrating. And she says, yeah. And I say, well, what are we going to do? You need to put your shoes on, right? And she goes, yeah, all right, well, what are some things that we can do to get your shoes on? And she'll say, 
you can help me? I'll say, you could absolutely ask for help. I would be happy to help. Is there anything else? She said, oh, maybe I could try again. I'll say, or you could try again. I said, you could try again, and then if it doesn't work, then you can ask for help. There's a lot of different things that we can do. So what would you like to do? So I try and get her to think of them. Obviously, sometimes she's just too small, and I'll give her some options. You could ask for help. You could try again. You could look for blah, 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 whatever the options are. And then I'll say, so what do you want to do? One of the things that you do beautifully is that you always name the feelings. That's how children begin to identify what they're feeling. And the important thing is to know that we can start this extremely early, even when babies are tiny. Uh, when they're learning language, it's important for them to be hearing that they're sad or angry or frustrated. I know. You know how I know? How do you know? Because you raised me <laughs> and you named feelings. So then I was able to name feelings. Now she can name feelings. And God willing, her children will be able to name feelings. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, no, totally. It's, um, but again, the whole reasoning behind this drawn out thing is that it really does change her behavior. It just takes a while. She doesn't want to cry in her room for 30 minutes anymore. So her freakouts are much, much shorter because she knows that once she's done that we can find a solution. So she kind of now knows what the pattern is. She can have whatever emotion she's going to have. The sooner she kind of works through that emotion or talks to me, talks through the, the emotion, then we can get to the part where we make things better. At this point in the interview, we start to talk a little bit about power struggles. And obviously, great topic, something we're going to talk about again and again. But in this particular situation, the answer to the power struggle is to walk away. Just walk away. The most important thing is not to engage in a power contest with your kids, is to <laughs> force them. I can have that. Max struggles with packs. Yeah, with packs sometimes. Yeah. And Paxton knows it. Um, oh, he, they know. Yeah. They know. Yeah. One of his big things right now is well, I'm never going to learn to read. And little does he, I mean, he's, we played, have you ever played Alphabet Island? No, but that sounds delightful. It's great. It's a board game with Mm -hmm. matching letters. You draw an uppercase card and you have to find the lowercase disc and pick it and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then when they learn more, then you can flip them over and then there's pictures of things. So like when you pull Q, you have to find the quilt or, you know. Right. Okay. That's cool. It's a, it's a great game. Write down Alphabet Island. (laughs) I want to do it. Let's take a break and talk about Alphabet Island. As you heard, this game is awesome. I also looked into the company that makes the game. They are called Learning Resources. After a little bit of research, I found that Learning Resources makes a ton of amazing games. I want to make that all available to you, so go to parentwise.com, our picks, and we'll have a link not only to Alphabet Island, but also to the company Learning Resources, where you can check out the brand and all of the things that they have to offer. There's a lot of things you're not going to be able to do if you can't read. Exactly. And I leave it at that. Matt has a harder time not engaging. (laughs) Oh, you're learning to read. (laughs) Maybe not quite that, but... Let me tell you something, brother. (laughs) But no, like, I'll start off with that, but then he just keeps going. He's like, well, when I get older, I'm going to have the money to buy a computer, and I'll just buy the computer. I'm like, you won't be able to use the computer. Like, you need to learn to read to be able to use it and stuff like that. 
So before we get into the second issue, which was Olive, who's 15 months old, um, has been repeatedly hitting and scratching Hannah um, to a degree probably over and above what's kind of, I think we all know it's a little, it's normal for, for that to be an issue for a time when kids are just kind of figuring out their boundaries and what's okay and what's not okay. Um, but, but it's really gone kind of above and beyond that. But before we get into that conversation, um, I'm curious where hitting falls with regard to the framework of the four goals of misbehavior. We go into a lot of detail in our first couple of episodes regarding these concepts and other concepts as well that we talk a lot about, but let's just do something high level to kind of prepare us for what we're about to hear. Well, hitting can be in any one of the goals of misbehavior. In attention getting, if a child hits and you tell them to stop, they've accomplished their goal and they may hit again or they may do something else to get your attention. In power, if a child is hitting and you tell them to stop, they're not likely to stop. And in revenge, when a child is hitting in revenge, it's in order to get even. That means they feel hurt and they feel justified in striking back. So the act of hitting doesn't mean just one thing. It really has to be in context and you have to figure out how you're feeling And you have to look at all of the behaviors around that. You'll see that it's not hard to figure it out. All you have to do is remember what happens when you correct a child and how you're feeling. And then look it up on the chart, and there it'll be. It gets to the point where, like, when Matt gets home from work, I just need to completely go to a separate space of the house because I can't. She's been attacking me for hours at that point. And no matter how much I separate, she's so um, much more stubborn with it mm-hmm. than I think the boys were. The boys totally went through a stage that sure. was similar. I, mean, I think every kid does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to handle it with her. If I separate myself, used. which I can't, she's too young for me to put her in her room right. or, or separate myself for a long Tire period of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of my parenting is not very traditional. <laughs> <laughs> Tie to a post. Yeah, you know, that might yeah. work for us. You wait till two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So we have a little ways to go. <laughs> Now, I hope that this goes without saying, but I do not actually believe it's a good idea to tie your children to a post. Just wanted to clarify. At this stage, I feel like she's too young to, you know, I'll talk to her about it, but she's too young to really fully reason with, to say, you know. Well, you can't reason with her. She, right. So she, I can't. Right. Yeah. But she will understand behavior. You already are doing the thing where you're putting her down. Yes, right. And then what happens What happens after that? So a lot of times she'll come to me crying. I'll, I will wait a minute and mm-hmm. I'll say similar. I, I'm probably not as consistent as mm-hmm. I should be, though, about what I say. But I'll say, you know, I'm not picking you up right now. You hurt mommy. Mm-hmm. And then when I do pick her up, I feel like it's it has maybe improved sometimes, but mm-hmm. she'll look right at me, start crying because she knows what's going to happen, and do it anyways. Hit me or scratch me. And sure enough, I'll put it back down, and then she's hysterical again. Mm-hmm. And it's just this cycle, and maybe she eventually, I mean, obviously, at some point she stops. Right. But it lasts a really long time, and she knows what's going to happen. You can see in her face, because she almost also kind of go she yeah mm-hmm. puts herself back like she knows 
that I'm going to put her down and that she's going to be upset. But she'll still do it. Mm-hmm. And then I put her down and then she's hysterical. And There's the other thing, too. Is it possible for you to pick her up in a way where you hold her hands? Mommy has to hold your hands. Maybe that's a good idea. You know, I haven't you tried can, that. If you turned her around so that her back was to you and somehow picked her up mm-hmm. and held her hands, Mommy can't let you face me mm-hmm. right. you know, because you hit me mm-hmm. and that's okay. not okay. Yeah. So that basically... <laughs> Like a like a like like one of those Bjorns where she has to face forward and then you can like right right exactly or a straight jacket I think that's <laughs> yeah it's a straight jacket and I do um before I put her down I usually what I do is I'll give her a chance first where I'll show her how to be nice I'll or gentle I'll I'll rub her face mm. and then I'll show her with me. And it has now kind of turned into, instead of hitting me again, then she'll be gentle. But I think as we talked about earlier, the hitting comes first. Right. Every time. The other thing that you might want to do is do your best to put less emphasis on when she does something bad. Okay. More emphasis on when she does something good. Mm -hmm. So that she gets a lot of attention for when she's gentle with the Uh cat when she's gentle with daddy, you know. Often we're so focused on the negative, Mm -hmm. we don't want them to do this, but we don't, what we fail to do is fill in the gap with something that's positive. Do you feel like she, because I'm very, when she rubs my face and she makes the ah sound to show that she's being gentle, and she gets a lot of positive feedback, but I almost think that that's playing into, for some reason, and it's like in her mind, she has to hit first to get to the let's be gentle with mommy point. Mm. And she almost has them connected. And so she likes the positivity she gets when she starts being gentle. But instead of just doing that first, it's first we hit mommy. Yeah. And then we get to be gentle with mommy. Right. And I don't know how to get her to skip that, that first right. part. Um, and then it has been, though, as the day goes on, then it turns into less of the let's be gentle and more... Well, now she's just aggro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a hook there, and it's like a power issue. And people don't think that children of 15 months can get into power contests, but you have one going with her. Oh, yes. (laughs) She definitely... Strong little girl who has decided, you know, we're going to get what we're going to get. It's one of those traits that I hope someday will be an asset for her. It's just hard to raise. Yes. Yes. I think violence is definitely an asset. (laughs) (laughs) More of the hard-headedness. Oh, that's what you meant. Yes, yes. Yes. I, I, I mean, violence can be, you know. I've also been thinking about trying, um, she really loves when I wear her, um, in a sling. And I have been thinking about trying when she gets that way, rather than the separation of maybe it's having that neediness for me Mm -hmm. and maybe not fully knowing how to deal with it and trying, maybe if I put her in the sling and she's really wrapped up close to me, Mm -hmm. um, because I do feel like whenever she's in the sling, we don't tend to have that issue with okay. the hitting and the scratching. And I was thinking about giving that a shot, even around the house, just, okay, well, maybe you just need a little extra well, and that speaks, snuggle time right now. And that speaks to understanding why children misbehave. Mm-hmm. It usually comes out of a lack of something. Uh-huh. So uh, if it's an, a repeating behavior, that's attention-getting behavior. 
And we solve that by giving attention in a positive way. Yeah. And that's exactly what you've described. And also that with the being more violent also comes wanting to just nurse nonstop for yeah. that time. And I think I'm oftentimes also busier during that time sure. of day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if it's during school, then I'm helping with homework and I'm trying to get dinner going and Matt's not home yet until about six. So I'm that busiest part of the day and she's not, she's tired, she's grumpy and she's not getting my attention like right, she was right. earlier in the day. Right. And so she knows, oh, if I nurse, mommy sits down and cause she's obviously not hungry, yeah. you know, at oh, this point. No. like, yeah, it's yeah. a comfort. But even right now, she's nursing, and I think it's more related to, well, I'm talking to three other people. Right, and right. not sitting and reading the book with her. Right. right. But this way, she gets my one-on-one And attention. she's physically close. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. has that sense of nurturance. Yeah. And think about how smart they have to be to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know. true. Yeah, she she knows, and she's a very um, she's our snuggliest. Yeah. Too, she's very physically affectionate. Liam was very not. Um, he's he's loving in his own way, but it had to be completely on his terms. Yeah. And um, if he felt too held down, yeah. he's been fine. Yes, he never liked being swaddled as a baby. Paxton. I don't know. He's all over the place. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. he's a lot of girls. But she really has been our most consistent. Anytime you want to hold her, she's fine with That's it. Nice. And so I, I like do... the sling idea. I think the oh, sling idea is a great idea because I think it really does accomplish where you can still get things done. Yes. I, yeah. And you and she gets what she needs. Um, that might be an interesting thing to... Well, you also have to do it in conjunction with continuing what you're doing okay. and not do it immediately after because okay. it becomes a reward for the for that. Right. During this episode, we ended up talking about sleep training, um, particularly because... Matt is having a hard time listening to Olive cry when they're trying to sleep train her. So he just, uh, quote unquote, can't do it. Since I have recently gone through something similar, um, we decided to kind of talk a little bit about that. I recommended to Carrie when she was struggling with this that she read the Happy Sleeper book. And I know she found it really helpful. I did. Truly. Yeah, good. It's hard to sleep train a baby. It just is. Especially when you like the baby. (laughs) You know? When you like the baby, it's a lot harder. Exactly. It hurts your heart. It hurts your ears. That too. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had gotten us this book. She knows a thing or two. And uh, she'd gotten this book about, like, the happy sleeper or something like that. And so when when I read it, and it talks about, like, the why of giving them the ability to self-soothe mm-hmm. and that you're basically just passing them the gauntlet, you know, like saying, look, I've right. soothed you. Now you need to learn how to soothe yourself. Right. That like made enough of a change so that I felt like I was doing it for her mm-hmm. and that I was actually really doing it for her because, right. because self-soothing is so important. Yeah. yeah and, and I know for me, <clears throat> it's been very important in my life of being able to, in various ways, knowing what calms me down, what makes me feel safe, what makes mm-hmm. me fall asleep, what may, all of those things. And so I realized that I was, I was 
keeping her from developing that. And then that switched my mind to this is for her. And so rather than torturing her, I'm just allowing her to find that in herself. And so, so we, that was very, very helpful. The book, The Happy Sleeper, is listed on our picks on our website. The website is www.parentwhys. I really enjoyed talking to Hannah and Matt. They were, they were great. They really were. And what was really special is that we got to meet all three of their children. Yeah, we definitely got to meet Olive, as did everyone else with her screaming in the background. But what a cutie. Oh, yeah. She's a violent little cutie. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Paxton and Liam also just beautiful kids. Such great kids. A lot of fun. Uh, We did record a bunch of them screaming at the end, but we took that out. We figured you all had enough of that going on at home. Exactly. The follow-up with these guys has been really interesting, and they have three kids that are all very, very different, and each of them is kind of going through their own struggle right now. And then, of course, you know, Hannah and Matt are people. They have their own things, believe it or not. (laughs) Sometimes I forget that we're allowed to have our own issues as well. (laughs) It does. It's so easy to lose yourself as a parent. It really is. Definitely. I I really am excited to see how things come together for them in the future and look forward to our follow-up episodes with them. Normally, we follow up an interview with the previous week's results. But since this is our first interview, we decided to give you a sort of a shrink wrap on a situation that I dealt with, with a mom and her three-year-old who had regressed with her toilet training and her sleeping through the night. At the end, you will have a follow-up because there's been enough time that we were able to add a follow-up to it. So you'll get a complete picture of the kind of thing that we are hoping to accomplish in this podcast. The woman you are talking to, her name is Stephanie, and she has two girls? Exactly. Stephanie came to me because she thought that her daughter might be in need of medication for anxiety. When she talked to me about her three-year-old, she basically explained that this child had been completely toilet trained for a long time and had been sleeping through the night for a long time. And now neither of those things was happening. Does she talk at all about what, um, what the circumstances were around the regression? Well, she really didn't. And it was, it was interesting because she was pretty convinced that this was an anxiety issue. Mm-hmm especially since they were looking at putting her in nursery school. But after listening to her, I gave a professional guess and asked if there was another child in the family. Hey. (laughs) And she said... You're good, you. (laughs) And she said, why, yes, there is another little girl, a one-year-old. And I went, aha. So I'd like you to listen to how we proceeded with Stephanie, her three-year-old and her one-year-old. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. So she was pretty much ready, and then baby number two came. So it threw everything out the window, everything we had worked on. It was horrible. She was waking up more than the newborn and screaming at the top of her lungs, and it was nothing that could be comforted. I just felt like it was some kind of a control thing where she would scream and tell me, She needs to go out of the room. So once we went out of the room, then it became something else. It was things really absurd, like she needed some water or she needed her shoes on. And, you know, it's 2 a.m. She does not need her shoes on. I just remember thinking, 
this is not normal, and nobody else is probably going through this. <laughs> you would be surprised. And that nobody understands, and nobody can help me. Mm-hmm. Even people are telling me, well, you've got to have some kind of reward for her. So, you know, saying, you know, I've offered to give her gummy bears when she's done going potty, or we're going to go buy a cake, all the things she loves to do, but nothing worked. Um, she just then started screaming for whatever it is I suggested and demanded that she have it right at that moment. Right, right. One of the things that is very powerful for kids is that we often get into trying to bribe them to do what we know they can do and they should do. But if we put it back in their hands and we say, when she says, can we go to the park? You say, oh, I would love to go to the park. But Uh it would be too hard to take you to the park in diapers. So when you're ready and you're not in diapers anymore, we'll go to the park, okay? But don't worry, you can you can stay in diapers if you like. And at that point, and she's a bright little girl, she had figured out, here's this new baby you have who is being diapered and who is up in the middle of the night, you know, and she, she wanted some of that. So bright enough to figure out, okay, I'm just going to regress myself a little bit and see if I can't get some of that good stuff. <laughs> and what she really did was to offer her something that – looked really good to her, but she couldn't do it while she was a baby. And so she stretched, and she thought about it for a little bit, and when nobody was pushing her, she thought, okay, I guess I better do this. (laughs) And again, it wasn't a conscious thing, because kids at that age, they don't plan it. They just do what works. If they know they want something sort of subconsciously, they just fiddle around till they find something that works. And they're very intuitive, as you already know. I didn't think it was going to work at all. I just kept thinking, she doesn't know my daughter. And so, you know, what really challenged me to follow through is because you had told me that you were going to follow up with me in a week just to see how we were progressing. did it, and, you know, we tried it, um, got grandparents on board. Who, you know, they were watching her during the week while I was at work. So, sure enough, it worked one week later. Yes. And... It was, you know, other parents have told me things like, oh, you know, of course, they're going to continue to have accidents. Not one accident since then. Awesome. That was amazing. I love that. I love how open she is about the fact that she thought you were full of shit and that she that you had to know her kid in order for something to work rather than just knowing the nature of children and how they work. It was so successful so quickly and it I think is a real testament to the techniques that you use. Well, thank you. The thing that's so important to remember is that this is an extremely common thing. Children are always looking around and assessing who's getting what in the family. Mm -hmm. And when a new baby comes in and gets all that attention, it's really hard for the older children, no matter how old they are, whether they're three and they've got a new baby, or even five and they have a new baby. It's, It's a trying time for everybody. So you really have to take into account if there are other things happening. For instance, in this case with Stephanie, her daughter was looking at going to school, to nursery school. That was something they were prepping her for and talking to her about. Meanwhile, there's this new baby in the house that's getting all this attention. And again, they don't think this through. It's important to remember that children of this age don't plot. They just kind of look around and figure out some things to try. And when something works, 
that's what they do. In this case, it looked pretty good that the baby was getting all this attention, and it actually was something that was working for a time. She was getting up, they were getting up, she was in diapers, That's she was getting the same treatment as the baby. But when given a choice to move forward, as in to be a big girl, her choice was not to stay little. Her choice was to be big so that she could go to the park. And she never looked back, not once. That's awesome. My thought was, I doubt it would be preschool at this stage because they're only talking about it. And children don't really understand something until it happens. Correct. So you can talk just like they're all excited about the new baby until it shows up. And then, wait, what is this? So just talking about something happening with her being so young, I don't think would cause this reaction. Now, when she goes to school for the first time, that could cause a problem. And it could look like anything, really. Yes. So I haven't yet had the opportunity to speak with Stephanie, but I'm really looking forward to it because she is so funny and clearly wants so much for her children. And I just love her attitude overall. One observation is that she seems pretty anxious. And I think that as parents, we tend to project our own experience or our own feelings onto our children. So say she's having anxiety about her daughter going to school, she might naturally assume that her daughter is feeling that same anxiety, which is what was causing her to regress. Right, right. Children pick up on amazing nuances of our behavior. Mm -hmm. They're very tuned in. And it's important to keep that in mind so that when we're upset, and we could be upset about anything, something that we saw on the news, something a friend told us, children get that. They yeah. really do. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's about waiting to see how they feel and allowing them to have whatever feeling they're going to have without you telling them, you're going to go to preschool. This might be scary, but, you know, well, why do they, why do I tell them it might be scary? You know, it'll either be scary or it won't. And you can help them identify those feelings when they're having them, not necessarily recommend the feelings. Now, when they get older, the child has a better, they can imagine things that are happening. And then it makes sense to, I think, talk about what could possibly happen. That's right. my sense of it anyway. Absolutely. The thing that's most important to remember is that we have to stop talking so much. We have to figure out what needs to be done and then just do it. Mm -hmm. And children respond better to our behavior than they do to our words. So we have to remember that we cannot control what our children do. We can only control what we do, which is why I think that thinking in terms of our behavior changing when a child is misbehaving is the most effective course of action. One thing you said, children don't understand the talking. That triggered a memory of something we talked about with Hannah and Matt. I remember her saying she went upstairs and he was having this meltdown because he couldn't find a piece, a Lego piece. Right. You know, I went up, I helped him find a different piece he could use. And he snapped out of it like that was perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And so then I try to say, you know, see, so if you maybe take a minute to try to problem solve instead, <laughs> then it doesn't have to be a really big deal. Mm -hmm. But it's not getting through at all. I think that this is a prime example of when words don't work, trying to explain to him how things could be better when he's too young to imagine that. And also, if he did imagine it, 
I don't think he would like it very much because it involves him doing the work instead of Hannah doing the work. So in the current scenario, Paxton cries, Hannah comes up and finds the piece for him and then tells him, you know, it could have been easier. But it actually couldn't really, I guess, have been easier than crying and then having someone else get the piece for you. So I think in a way, you know, we say that kids do what works. I think that because the solution comes relatively quickly and he gets to have all the emotion but not really do any of the thinking or the work, that he prefers it the way that it is. And I'm definitely guilty of doing this with my girls as well, where rather than challenge them to do things themselves, I just do it for them because it's faster, it's simpler. And you know sometimes that's just where you're at as a parent. But I imagine that if he was allowed to go through the whole process of being upset and then having Hannah come up and say, oh, you're really upset, you know, and he says, I can't find a piece and he's screaming and crying. Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and have those feelings. And when you're ready to talk about what what to do and how to find a solution, come and, and get me and I'll help you. And then helping in a very guided way, like I would say probably giving him choices. So once he's ready to talk, which um, will probably take a while and then we'll get shorter and shorter in the future, most likely, that she say, you know, what happened? I lost my, Le- I couldn't find my Lego piece. Okay, you couldn't find your Lego piece. What what do we do when that happens? And if he says, I don't know, you can say, well, here's a few things. We can go look for the piece and see if we can find it. We can find a different piece that might do the same thing. Or we can realize we're just too frustrated and move on to a different <laughs> different toy or a different game. And then you can ask him, out of those, what would you like to do? And then help him through that process of whatever his choice is, and then afterwards going, okay, great, and just leaving it at that. And then the next time it happens, doing the exact same thing over and over and over again, and he will almost definitely stop the hysterics because it won't get him that fast answer. And that's kind of what he's doing it for now is to sound the alarm, you know, he's the alarm, and get people to run to his rescue. But if it doesn't do that, it really takes away the purpose in a lot of ways of the screaming and yelling uh, for long periods of time. I think that in this situation, the actions that could be taken would be more successful than talking to him about what could have happened. Right. And if you reflexively do it, there is a way to build on that. After it's done, you say, so let's talk about what just happened. What did mommy do? Mommy came in and you said, I'm missing a piece. And mommy thought to herself, hmm, what should we do if we're missing a piece? Hmm, we probably should look for it very carefully. And that worked, didn't it? So the next time something happens... What do you think you should do, Paxton? And it has to be kept short. Again, children can only focus on anywhere from 15 to 20 seconds worth of verbiage on our part. And when it happens again and you come in, instead of looking for the piece, you say, when you're done crying and screaming, we'll right. Because we're asking them to change, we also have to think about our changes because we do a lot of things with our children reflexively. And it's 
It's not terrible that that happens. That's how we grow and learn. So when you do a behavior and you recognize when you're in the middle of it, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, then it's at the... Never happened to me. <laughs> okay, maybe once. <laughs> or I can tw- think of like 18 times right now, like <laughs> off the top of my head. Right. If I had to say a list, I could, but okay. we don't have time. But. <laughs> so then what you do is in the middle of it, you say, okay, now how am I going to use this to teach? And you do your best not to go full circle with it, not to find the piece, but you're already looking, so you say... I'll tell you what, I'm going to wait until you're done crying, and then we'll figure out together what to do. And whatever you do after that really is not just for their benefit, but it's for our benefit too, because you'll find that you won't do the reflexive bad behaviors anymore. So the quote-unquote bad behavior would be to solve the problem for the child and then tell them, see, look how easy that was. Right. As opposed to allowing them to have the experience themselves and ta- and guide them through that experience and coach them through the experience, it's it's going to be a lot harder. I'll tell you that. You know, I mean, it, it, it just is. It's much harder. It's much messier, and it's better for the kid. Right. And there is one other thing I want to say about looking for things because with our kids, they they think looking for something means you pop your head in the room, you give the room a once over with your eyes, and if you don't see it with your eyes the first time, it must not be there. Right. So. At some point, teaching a child that you have to lift things, that you start at one side of the room and you work your way to the other side of the room, again, teaching behaviors, then you'll have a child who ultimately will say, okay, I can't find it, so I better start over here and work my way through. What I've done with Rue, because she does that, you know, where are my shoes? Why would I know where your shoes are? (laughs) You put away your own shoes, so... I, I don't know. And then she'll say, I looked in the closet and they weren't there. And I'll say, okay, now I've gone through and showed her how to look for things. So you actually have to pick things up. And surprisingly, my five-year-old has not heeded my amazing <laughs> advice because she still can't find anything. So, which is insubordination and will not be stamped. No, so what I've done now, what I do now is, she says, I can't find my shoes. I'll say, okay. I'll come in and look for your shoes. We can do it together. But if I can find it before we count to 30, then I get to choose what shoes you're going to wear. And she always says, wait, wait, let me go look again and goes back in and looks again and then comes out and is like, I found them. And I'm like, good for you. I'm really excited about the episode we put together. Um, This is our first episode involving other parents and I'm really looking forward to more. I'm proud of us. This was not easy, but my hope is that our ParentWise community feels more encouraged and supported with actual parents talking about their actual issues with their children. Right. And with not just giving the advice but following through on the advice because every child is different. And already we've had to alter advice for certain children when we did a follow-up. This did not work with that child. Let's try this. So I I like that process because sometimes when you read something or you hear just the quote-unquote solution and you do it with your child and it doesn't work, sometimes it feels like you're doing it wrong. Right. And it it may have nothing to do with you. Exactly. So um, congratulations mom on our first completed episode involving other humans besides us. And I hope that 
everyone who's listening has found this helpful and will listen into our next episode because at the end of the next episode, we'll have the results of our recommendations to Hannah and Matt. So don't hesitate to ask a lot of questions. That's why we're calling it Parent Wise, so that you can feel comfortable to ask the why of things. And we hope that if you listen long enough, your Parent Wise will help you become Parent Wise, W-I-S-E. Holy crap, that's the whole okay. On the next episode of Parent Wise, we will be discussing fun topics such as... Is he doing this consciously to deflect what's going on here? And he knows that if he says he's stupid, Mm. automatically mommy and daddy are going to change the subject and say, no, you're not stupid. You're not dumb at all. And thereby he gets out of any kind of consequence. It can't be that manipulative and cunning. (laughs) And if that doesn't sound familiar, how about this one? It's bedtime. No, we want more time. Every time we got to brush our teeth. Why do I have... And it's just the whole same routine every night. <laughs> it's, it's exhausting. Thanks for listening, folks. We really appreciate your comments and your feedback. And you'll be able to do that by leaving comments and questions and suggestions on our Facebook page. Also, if you'd like to connect with us or with others in our community, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. We would also appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. You can get a summary of our key takeaways from this episode on our website, www.parentwise. That's parent, P-A-R-E-N-T-W-H-Y-S.com. Finally, if you would like to sign up to be one of our families to be interviewed, write us a little bit about you, explaining your issue, and give us a way to contact you. And we will do our best to get back to all of you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to us as much as Carrie and I enjoyed doing this. Bye-bye now. See you next time.